our mission is to keep the tradition alive. It's up to us. It's our responsibility. Who else is going to do it? Hello, and welcome to episode 217 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Fallon, and with me, as always, Casey Brady. This week, we're going to take a look at the infamous French New Wave film, The 400 Blows, our top five blind spots that we are saddened that we have not seen, what else we watched, and, as always, our last points. Yes, indeed. We are back, and we're here for a classic review episode, because there was nothing worthwhile uh, in the new releases. King Arthur, as I talked about on the last episode, if we reviewed that, it might last five minutes, so I figured, let's do it. We did a great, a great episode, I, I thought, back in the day with the Seven Samurai review. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just thought it would be a fun idea to revisit something like that. And so we are. Yeah, with the 400 Blows, it's a movie that uh, you hear a lot about. Um, not one that I particularly, you know, had a desire to see. Um, but a movie that is considered to be one of the greatest of all time. So yeah. Did it, you know what is it, it was about? Because I'll be honest. I always heard the title, like The 400 Blows, considered incredible, you know, all-time great classic film. I just assumed it was – I don't know what I assumed, actually, but it definitely wasn't what it actually was. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about it except that it was a French film. Yeah, that's uh, all I knew, too. And that was it. I didn't know the storyline at all until we kind of read the synopsis uh, what, last week or the week before. Um, when we were deciding on which movie to pick, uh, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. The title does not give it away. No, it's a very misleading title. I mean, you could think this is a war movie, like a samurai film with this title. You could think it's a porno. You could think it's... Uh, a porno? Oh, my God. <laughs> a million different things with a title like that. Yeah, and I think... 400 different things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think I was reading up on it. I think like it was a mistranslation is how it got the English title. That's at least something I read somewhere. But uh, either way, you know, here we are. We're discussing it. Uh, so you, you really you had no desire to watch it? Um, it no, it, it wasn't one that I've I heard about that I was like, oh, I got to see it. Um, especially once I read the synopsis, uh, it's, it's basically about a troubled youth uh, who was just trying to live his day-to-day, but due to his uh, easily corruptible mind, uh, he does things that gets him in trouble all the time with his parents and at school. Um, yeah, that sounds very uh, basic. Yes, and I'm not the biggest fan of movies starring children uh, and having them as the, the focal point of the film, um, usually because... Uh, children are not the best actors of all time. You know? No. I mean, um, there's, of course, exceptions like Paper Moon and, you know, some yeah, others. Yeah, there's, there's definitely exceptions. But I agree um, with you. 
but but usually even with those exceptions there's a lot of inconsistent acting um yes uh, and that's one of the biggest down yeah. down points. And we also talked about how the Jungle Book, like that kid, at least to me, almost ruined that movie. He was so bad. And yeah, I think there's a kid in a movie more times than not. It's not going to be great. Acting yes. Up. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm trying to find it right now. Some video popped up when my YouTube recommended feed of um, of a video to watch. Of a young, and I can't remember his name, but the kid who played uh, um, in E.T., uh, his audition for the role. And he is possibly the greatest actor of all time. He is able to cry on command in a millisecond. It's insane. Um, if I could find the video, it's, I mean, that has completely changed my idea of child acting. <laughs> you know uh, what that tells me about that kid? What's that? He, something's wrong. That's that can't be normal. Oh, it's it's. I mean, psychopathic almost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. He's <laughs> able to switch from being just a normal conversation to instantly crying and uh, trying to stop his best friend, which is an alien, uh, <laughs> from being taken. I mean, it's insane how yeah, believable it's it like, is. Either that kid's parents need to be looked into, or I feel really bad for that kid's parents. One or the other. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> insane. Uh, it's Henry Thomas, not uh, Henry Drew Thomas. Barrymore. Right, yeah, Henry yeah. Thomas. Uh, you need everyone should go out and look at it on YouTube. It's a three minute video. It takes no time at all. Fantastic, disgustingly <laughs> crazy. Should I is. put it in my top five blind blind spots right now? Yes, I mean. After this video or after this podcast, you need to watch it. <laughs> All you right. Have to. I'll try. I'll try to remember. Um, okay, so The 400 Blows, directed by Francis Truffaut. Have you seen any of his other movies? Because I know he's like renowned for being one of the best. I actually them. have not. I haven't, uh, I haven't actually seen many of the uh, biggest French films. Um, for some reason, that's, I mean, I've seen a lot of Japanese films. A lot of uh, Chinese films, even some Indian films or Bollywood films, uh, but not many, not many French films. Yeah, I'm. I actually like most of the French movies that I've seen. I, I'm sure that's because you know it's being curated. By the time it gets to me, it's only the best of the best, etc. But yeah, I think this is the first. I looked at his filmography. I nothing jumped out at me that I'd seen, so I'm sure this is my first as well. Uh, but let's get into the 400 Blurs. I'll start off by saying I got to look into watching more of these guys, this guy's movies after seeing this. Um, all right. So what, what did you like about it? Um, I liked everything about it. I think it's, uh, an excellent film. Uh, I think it deserves the hype. It, uh, blew me away. I, I love this movie so much. What did you think? So going into it, I was a little nervous. I, I remember when we did Citizen Kane, and I was terrified. I was not going to like Citizen Kane, and Citizen Kane is regarded as possibly one of the, one of if not the greatest films of all time. And I was terrified because what if I don't like it? What does that mean? Is that I am as a as a movie watcher? Am I do I not have good taste? And I turned out to love Citizen Kane. It actually is in easily in my top ten. Um, with the 400 blows, as I was watching it, 
I really appreciated uh, the authenticity that the film showed, but I don't think I ever truly connected with the film. Um, there's nothing that I can purposely I, I can I can point out and say this was not good. Um, I mean, there are a few editing uh, instances when it just things were. It wasn't great movie making, but for that time, that's what happened a lot. Um, if you remember when the dog. Uh, gets released and they're going down and then instantly they change directions. Uh, it was just a little tiny thing that yeah, maybe editing, yeah. Um, that's fair. But uh, just a small thing. But besides that, there was really nothing to say that this movie wasn't incredible. The acting was fantastic. Um, the child actor was just on point at all times. I truly like this could have been a documentary. It just yeah. seemed so authentic and real it was crazy how every single uh shot seemed like it was just a guy with a camera watching some real kid going through his life yeah um but i think that's part of the reason i just didn't connect to it it wasn't uh that's not a type of life i've ever you know really been a part of it's never something that i've experienced um and it was kind of a, a look at a mundane life in a way. I mean, there wasn't really much happening, which is okay. A lot of times those are my favorite films, but for some reason I just couldn't connect this one. Uh, but there's nothing I can really say that this movie did wrong. Yeah, I can't like argue against you. If you don't connect to a movie, you don't connect to a movie. But I think for the, you're exactly right. It's so authentic and so well performed and acted and that's why I did love it I think I think that's why I did connect with uh, this character it, I'm, I won't lie like it took 10-15 minutes to really warm up to it I, I think partly because I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into in the beginning like I kind of was holding it at arm's length subconsciously but once I figured out what the movie was going for I really connected with the, the especially the main character and and just everything he's going through, I feel like even if you don't, you know, you've never been in this exact type of situation, I just feel like it's a very universal, relatable uh, message in that at least I feel like most people at some point in their lives feel like no matter what they do and no matter where they turn, like they feel not accepted, like especially that those teenage years growing up, right? I. I mean, I never was abused at home or, or you know, have teachers chucking chalk at my face at school. But I feel like there's been times when I was a teenager when I was like, felt like I couldn't relate to my parents or anybody at school or anything like that. And I don't know. I just feel like the movie really did a good job touching upon that feeling. Yes. Yeah. And um I, th I think for me is that I, I've never had that feeling, uh, which is why I couldn't connect, was because I, I've never had that feeling that no one understood me. There was always someone. Um, well, yeah, even this kid has this, like, his best friend, you know. Yes, but at the same time, he really doesn't understand yeah. him yeah. because, I mean, the, the kid is very, very wealthy while the main character, uh, his family's not wealthy at all. I mean, they live in an extremely tight, uh, cramped apartment while the friend lives in a very very large right you know living space yeah um 
Yeah, so in I a guess way, he really doesn't have anyone. The closest person to him is some really extremely rich kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I saw everything this the, the movie was trying to go for. It seemed I saw it. I just couldn't connect to it. I wish I could have. I would have probably enjoyed it more. I still enjoyed it. I I won't say that I was bored. I was just kind of not entranced. Yeah, um, yeah, I could see that. And the main reason, like the main thing that is even telling me that, to me, this was a long movie. It's an hour and 40 minutes. Yet I felt like, okay, is this what else is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying with that. Uh, but that's only because I wasn't, you know, entranced by it. If I was, an hour and forty minutes would have been nothing. That's short for, for <laughs> yeah, yeah. Movies. Um, yeah, I mean, there apparently there's like Truffaut made four more movies with this actor Jean Pierre Lyoud, uh following that character like throughout his life. Oh, really? So I might actually try to check those out, you know, if I can hunt them down. Yeah, um, this is uh, an Antoine as a character. Uh, I can see this being the start of something. Like, this is a great start to maybe seeing why he is like he is in the, you know, when he's 30, 40 years old. Yeah. Kind of what is this shenanigans to... he's getting into. Yeah, because it could be like a Before Sunset series where you're following this character through over lengths of time. I'm sure this is not a revelation that is new to a lot of people who are into movies, but I was surprised to find that out. I thought Linklater was the only one that thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for a movie from 1959, I thought it held up remarkably well. I mean, yeah, it's all black and white. I thought it looked really good. It uh, did, yes. Now, did you watch it uh, when it, I guess the, the standard definition was like 420? Uh, yeah, it was that. It was standard. And like, you watched that? And the, so, the subtitles were like on the bottom. They were sectioned off on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I watched it in 1080. Oh, um, nice. Not that they can restore it that much. Right, uh, right. You know, to, to change it that much. But it did look very nice especially the ending scenes when oh, he has yeah. escaped uh you know his you know uh camp i don't remember exactly what it was called yeah yeah uh, and he's that... running especially on the beach it, yeah. it, there were great great shots um, yeah that final shot is amazing and i really liked a lot of the cinematography as well i know there were like you said there were some weird editing things and yeah, I could see what you're saying there, but like, especially but, but it's small things, very small. Yeah, when they, when him and his friend played hooky from school and went like went around, they went to like that carnival. With, yeah, that, uh, that was a little bit kind of cheesy, in my opinion. Really, I um, I love the shot where I mean, for 1959 to have the camera on the wheel, where it's I don't know. I just thought they there were some cool different shots for the time. At least I would assume for the time, maybe, but. I guess seeing it today, 50 years later, it seemed slightly cheesy. I don't know. It um, kind of reminded me of The Place Beyond the Pines when he's doing the motorcycle around the cage and the camera's like on him. Uh, I can't think of the... the I, I can see him in the, the opening cage, scene. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. some yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, that stood out to me. But there was other shots, too. Like, other techniques that... I was surprised for a movie that old that was there. 
Yeah, especially there were some very long running shots. Uh, yeah. That, that it wasn't, you know, that it wasn't like cut up here and there. It was, you know, a, a minute long shot or two minute long shot, um, which is pretty incredible for for some of the things that were happening in the movie. Um, but just the I, the city life seemed so alive. It yeah, seemed it did. Like, it did. It seemed like we were there inside the city. Uh, it's really, that, really it immersive. Set up, that yeah. almost like just they shot in a city without people realizing that they had a camera and it was just <laughs> you know, people walking around. Um, yeah. That's the, that's the thing that just kept hammering inside of my head. It's just how authentic the film is. Yeah. Um, and also I love the score. I thought that helped a lot towards to, you know, get the emotional beats across to go with the acting and the, and all the filmmaking aspects. I, th- I thought the score was great as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, let's see. Now, have you seen uh, a lot of the French New Wave films uh, that came out in like the 50s and 60s? Um, I, I doubt it. Um, I, I, I've heard of some French movies. I don't know if they are considered New Wave that I've been meaning to check out, like Breathless and... I think Jacques Tati's Playtime. I think he's that's a French movie, but uh, I'm not sure. You know, didn't yeah. really look into it. Had you? No, I like I said, I I really haven't seen almost any French films. There was a couple, but not of the new wave. Uh, yeah, not back that old. I mean, um, I like this one so much that I I might have to go. You know, seek some out for sure. Yeah, it it is very tempting to uh, just because of how solid it was. It was just. Really, there's nothing wrong with the film. Yeah. Um, I can just see, like, the inspiration or, like, the building blocks that this kind of movie set forth for, like, some of the best uh, movies, you know, that have come since. Like, you could tell, I'm sure Linklater is a big fan of uh, Truffaut. Like, don't you think, with Boyhood uh, and stuff like that? 100%. Yeah. Uh, it would be very hard to say that Boyhood was not heavily influenced yeah. uh, by the 400 Blows. That's what um, came to my mind a lot while watching, and Boyhood's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I can't say that Linklater improved upon it, or, you know, that it's hard to say that, like, technically, considering time and, you know, when it was made, that Boyhood is better, but still higher oh no boyhood it's way worse i don't know what your obsession with that movie is it's amazing uh but yeah um another amazing scene i thought was when he was sitting down with like the psychiatrist and it was kind of like a mini montage and you really got to hear from him why he kind of is the way he is like it was so truthful that uh it's like he was just waiting for someone to ask so he could Get it all off his chest. Yes. You know? Um, because that's something That's something I guess everyone can connect with is sometimes feeling not heard and just wanting someone to listen to you. Without uh, judgment or without, you know, you're being punished as soon as you say it. Yes, because obviously with his mom, no matter what he said to her, uh, there was definitely this feeling that he was not loved by her. Uh, um and with the dad, I don't know if stepdad. Yes, yeah, stepdad. But I don't know if he knew that was his stepdad. Um, right. Yeah. 
I and I don't think so. I, I feel like I remember she said that it was when he was very young, um, and that she was very embarrassed to even mention it out loud that he wasn't the real dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I almost feel like he he didn't know that was not his real dad. Um, but with that said, he connected with his dad more than his mom by far. But even with that, his dad was still horrible. I wouldn't say horrible, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. was. He he really he joked with Anton, but he didn't fully see like respect him. No, uh, not at all. And yeah, he had no respect from anyone. It seemed like at school. Like I, I don't. I guess that's maybe that's just how school was. Uh, in but France should it, I mean I mean the big thing is I remember it just over and over again the uh, Michelin magazine, um, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing is a car magazine. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think uh, so. Uh, but he kept on saying, "Oh, where is it? Where is it? I know you have it." And Antoine's like, "No, no, no, I don't have it. I don't have it." Come to find out, he did have it. So it's almost like, could he be trusted? Could could he be respected? Because he kept on doing all of these things, and for me, that's like it was so aggravating seeing like, why are you? Why are you doing this? Just stop. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. behave. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure, like, you know, you can just see how the mom keeps, like, wanting him to keep her secrets and the way, you know, eventually the, st- the dad, like, slaps him across the face. And I, don't, I feel like you can see that he picked up these traits based off of the reactions he was getting from his parents. But I guess you could argue it either way because, you know, it's not definitively shown. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel that his the parents' reactions were based upon his actions. Um, is it nurture or nature? Yeah, I guess that that is a very good question that is brought up. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the parents before I forget, I thought they both were really, really good as well. Clara Morier and Albert Remy, um, they really sold the parts extremely well yes uh, especially the mom because you could tell she didn't like him right she didn't like Antoine and she didn't like her son but she loved but him. then she tried to be nice but you could tell that she wasn't being authentic um, you could tell that this actress was acting uh, inside the film itself mm-hmm. it yeah yeah, yeah. I feel like there was mom. that preternatural love for him like just because it's her child she gave birth to him but yeah you could tell like she knew what she was supposed to do but she just couldn't do it yeah and she i I think the thing is she resents antoine though because he is the symbol of all of her struggles um she she's living in a marriage that she doesn't want to be a part of obviously um her life is not where she thought it would be she thought maybe she'd be living a lot more glamorous, uh, and Antoine and the husband hold her back. Kind of, yeah, yeah, and, and Antoine reminds her of that every day. Um, yeah, that's a good point as well. And um, let's see, uh, how about all the stuff with like the best friend and goes to hide out at his his, his house? There's like a stuffed horse or whatever. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that because that's – it also – it shows that grass is not always greener on the other side. Yes, this kid is very wealthy, but his parents don't even care about Neglectful, yeah. Um, His mom drinks all the time. All she cares about is getting drunk while the father just cares about gambling. Uh, 
At one point, he's smoking cigars. The father smells all the cigars and says, oh, you owe me for three cigars. <laughs> Nothing about actually smoking. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so. I liked that as well. I liked it a lot. I also loved how, I mean, and this is definitely true for me, like movies are shown as his only escape, right? Like whenever he skips school or runs away, he typically just runs and watches a movie, right? Yeah. And I, I like that a lot because that's kind of how I use not just movies, but all my interests. I like try to get as many hobbies and and stuff like that as an escape from real life as well. Like I, I just like putting on a good TV show, movie, read a comic, watch sports, all that. I don't watch the news, you know, so I, I like that aspect. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a reflection of his mom, I feel, because as she is trying to get away from her reality with this kind of crappy existence by cheating, um, he is doing the exact same, trying to you know get rid of his existence mm-hmm. or escape his existence through through movies, acting out, running away. Yeah, um, and we need that now more than ever uh, these but, days. But. It's showing that you can't run away from your problems. Uh, yeah. They always catch sure. up to you. Yeah. There's only so much you can ignore. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I guess the last thing is it seemed like even when he finally buckled down and wanted to really try hard on this school homework project, he plagiarized. <laughs> yeah. And it's – that's the thing. It just – like it was almost annoying. Like why? Why are you doing this? But you can see, like, he actually is trying. Like, he means well, I feel like. He's just like this aimless kid who's just, like, doesn't know what to do. He needs someone to guide him. He needs a father figure who's not just, like, you know, joking around and all that. Yeah, I don't know. And And then he accidentally sets a fire when he's trying to, you know, be normal. And, of course, that's... Causes a big problem. Yeah, I mean, he must be. I mean, he's definitely a little slow. Uh, I mean, if he's lighting a candle inside of a enclosed box uh, in his house. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean the plagiarism. I mean, I mean it's cool that he grasped onto a, a good writer. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it just it was one of those. Uh, especially as a teacher, it's seeing how disrespectful all those kids were to the to the, the teacher in the movie. But uh, he just, was singled out over all of them. No, I don't think was he though. I feel like, oh, well, maybe just because it's his movie, and but I don't know. At least, and I think maybe that's intentional. Like maybe he, that's from his perspective. He feels like he's being singled out in his brain. Yeah, possibly, but I mean, after doing all that stuff, you can't blame the teacher almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe this is before ADD was under control. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I feel like it's pretty close to perfect as far as the time frame and and everything else. Yeah. I just – I wish I could have connected with it a little bit more. Yeah, I hear you. Um I, I actually feel the same way about another classic movie uh, I watched that I'll talk about later <clears throat> that uh, you felt about this. So, All right. Well, <clears throat> so what do you give the 400 Blues? 
I give it a heavy nine and a half out of ten. Wow, yeah. that's it's a classic. That is, huh? It's definitely that's awesome def- that, you, that you had that creative a time with it. Yeah, it's definitely um, going to crack my top one hundred of all time. Probably top fifty. I have to give it time to let it, you know, sit in my brain a while before I really figure it out. But yeah, it's it's awesome. Glad we glad we did this. How about you? I'm going to give it a solid eight out of ten. Nice, that's um, not bad at all. Probably, if I would have connected with it, it would have probably jumped up to about a nine. Um, like I said, there's just there's really not much wrong that you can say about this film. So yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, this movie probably wouldn't have made my top five blind spots before this review, just because, like we said, didn't really know what it was about, you know, didn't really consider it something that I had to see, you know, necessarily. But uh, let's get into what are our top five movie blind spots of all time. And how did you go about making this list? Because I kind of cheated a little bit. Uh, For me, uh, all I did was I thought of movies uh, that I really wish I would see uh, whether because I've heard such great things or maybe I've liked the remakes of them or um, just knowing that they are considered to be one of the greatest movies um, of all time so I, I didn't actually I haven't I didn't look at any lists uh, for it I just saw right off the top of the head yeah I uh, I did this I only list that I looked at was like what people consider to be the best movies of all time, just because I was so worried I was going to miss something obvious, and I probably still did. Yeah, I more than likely missed something. But I tried not to just make it be about the best movies of all time, and uh, I also cheated in the way that I basically did this in groupings, not necessarily individual movies. All right. So um, uh, I'll I'll probably understand more as yes, we go through. Yes, absolutely. Do you want to kick it off with your number sure. five? I will kick it off with my number five as Mad Max. The original? Uh, yes, the original. Okay. Uh, the main reason why I put this one here is I love the Tom Hardy version. I think it is incredible. And for them to have done such a great job, there had to have been incredible source material. Um, same I've director. Heard, same director. I've heard from so many people that the original Mad Max is fantastic. Um, just over and over and over again. I think you said that you you thought it was a little bit blander than yes. the oh, newer yeah. version. Yes. Um, but I'm the minority here, so. Yeah. Uh, so I would. I really want to see it, except now. Like I, I just feel that I probably won't ever watch them. Uh, the, the the Mad Max films, only because I've seen the new one and I loved it so much. It's almost. Why see the same thing? Um, because even if it's better, I've already seen it in a way, you know? Um, yeah. I, I Mad Max was either my favorite or second favorite movie that year. I absolutely love that movie. I think it's maybe one of the best pure action movies of all time. And leading up to that review, I watched – I think it was leading up to that I watched the first two original Mad Max movies and – and while there, I thought the first one was decent, I think I gave it like a six or six and a half out of ten. The second one was a little bit better. But still, it just, for whatever reason, it didn't work for me as well. That, and, uh, yeah, I, I feel like you're in the minority with that because yeah, everyone I've ever talked to 
just loves it. I mean, there's plenty of things to like about it, but it just was a movie where, I don't know, yeah, like you said, I felt, I felt it bland. But again, yeah, I am in the minority, so, you know, I am not the utmost judge of Mad Max quality. I'll give you my number five now. All right. And uh, that is the Monty Python movies. I've never um, never seen a single Monty Python movie, and that's and all I ever hear when I'm listening to movie podcasts is people love them. Oh, yeah, the classics, yeah, the best comedies of all time. I just have no interest, to be honest. But it is still a blind spot because I've hmm. never seen it, and I probably should at least watch one to know what a if I would like them or not. See, I I saw. I mean, especially Holy yeah, Grail, right? Because yes, so I saw Holy Grail after. I was talking with someone and I was just bursting out laughing at them talking about the film. So I thought, oh my gosh, the film has to be I know where you're you know, going. incredible. And I watched it and the, I mean, I, I, everyone knows the big famous joke of the, you know, the, the horseman not riding an actual horse, just clapping coconuts together to make the sound of, you know, Oops, yeah. yeah. Um, that was funny. Uh, <laughs> But one, I've already heard that joke a million times now and seen little snippets of it. So was it as funny as if I would have seen it the first time? No. Um, but also the rest of the film just, eh, didn't do anything for me. I yeah. didn't really laugh. Um, I just didn't think it was that funny. And so I haven't seen any of the other ones. I have uh, Life of Brian and I um, I think I have another one of them. But I just haven't watched them. Yeah. Just, there's, there is no interest. I don't think... Uh, I think either you get the humor or you don't. Right, and I have a couple things. Uh, yeah, it's one of these movies where even if it was staring me in the face at all times, like it was right there, click it, and I could watch it. It's just like one of those things where I'll always find something else I'd rather watch. And also, I know what you mean as far as like you find a joke funny from a movie when people are talking about it or quoting it. But then in, mm-hmm. in actuality, it just like, oh, that's it. Or or the opposite, where a movie you didn't really care for, all of a sudden you hear people talking about it, and it's funny. But it wasn't funny in the movie, so. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But it's still a big blind spot as far as my uh, movie criticism goes. Yeah. Number four? Well, my number four is Casablanca. Um You've seen it, right? Yes, I have yeah. seen it. So it's, it's one of the most famous love stories, uh, or love movies, or romance movies of all time. Um, regarded highly in all circles. I don't know. Uh, I've never been the 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 biggest uh, fanatic of romance movies, uh, but I feel like I I should see this. I mean, it's Casablanca. It's, yeah, like everyone knows it. It's it's up there with, you know, um, all the other great right, movies. Right, right, right. Uh, so that, to me, that's one of my biggest blind spots yeah. out of seeing that. And see, this is why I had to cheat a little bit because much to my surprise or chagrin, uh, when I'm looking at these best movies of all time lists, I, I was surprised how many of, like, the big ones that I've actually already, you know, seen in trying to uh, fix these blind spots like Lawrence of Arabia, you know, the big name ones that you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, that's a classic. I should see that. Like 
I wasn't finding many of them. It seemed like I had seen most of those in Casablanca. Yeah, well, when we went through that list to try to find them, it seemed like, yeah, we had seen a decent amount, yeah. which was surprising. I actually exactly. thought I had not seen um, as many as I had. Yeah, same here. I completely agree. But, yeah, Casablanca you should definitely see. It's really good. Um, I didn't go gaga for it, but I can certainly respect it and understand, you know, why it's it's placed high in a lot of lists. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, like, I can respect it because of, for the time, how, you know, ahead of its time it must have been. But watching it so many years later, it's kind of hard to put yourself in that place. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and that happens a lot for me. All right. I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to move on unless you had something. Yeah, no, 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 that's perfect. All righty. <laughs> My number four is another series of movies, uh, the James Bond movies. I've only seen the Daniel Craig, you know, reinvention. I've never seen, I mean, I've probably seen bits and pieces of some of the classic ones, but I don't remember anything about it. Never, I've just never, I've never seen any from none of the Pierce Brosnan, none of the uh, Connery, none of the, you know, any of them. And I know Edgar Chaput is a huge Bond fan, like super fan. And I know a lot of people love those movies. And even if they say, you know, none of them are like, you know, cinema classics, they're fun blockbusters that I, I probably should catch up on at least some of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's not It's not a group of films that I have a desire to see. I do love the Daniel Craig ones. I think they are just – they're – they're some of the greatest action films out there. Um, I'm always excited with when a new one comes out. But the older ones, I mean, I've seen a couple of uh, the Sean Connery ones. I I didn't like the, the, the cheesiness and campiness that a lot of them seem to have. Uh, Pierce Brosnan... Didn't I? Don't think he was a great uh, James Bond. I don't think I have seen any uh, any of the other actors. Um, it's just I don't know. I don't, I don't. It's definitely a blind spot for me, but not one that I feel like I need to. You know, Phil. Phil. Yeah, yeah I'm. Kind of, I was so close to making it a mission of mine to like watch them all, and then I just didn't watch any. So I, I like kind of want to, but then I kind of don't. But it is a blind spot. Yeah. Number three? My number three. Uh, we had discussed it. I don't know if we discussed it on the podcast or not. But I had not seen any Charlie Chaplin films. Um, and yet, most of his films seem to be uh, up there uh, as greatest films of all time. Uh, many of them are seen as just being amazing I don't, I mean, I I want to watch one uh, and see what it's all about. But I don't I don't know if I would enjoy it. I don't think I will. Um, but I, I feel like I need to watch one and see what all the hype is. Yeah. I, it's my number three as well. It's the, the silent movie era, especially Chaplin and Buster Keaton. You know, have never seen any of their movies. Like uh, Modern Times, The Great Dictator, City Lights, Gold Rush, The Kid. Um, you know, there's a lot of his movies that the, the titles of the movies, like, 
ring a bell just from hearing, you know, talk of them. But I've never actually seen them. I, I saw Battleship Potemkin, which is a silent movie, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. So I don't know why I haven't dove into it, but I am a little nervous about it. Yeah, I just I have a feeling that I'm not going to enjoy them. And what um, does it mean if I don't enjoy it? Yes. <laughs> so I should go into my number two, which mm-hmm. is Schindler's List. Um, I mean, there's not much to say except that everyone loves it. Uh, you would love it. You would love it. It's possibly Spielberg's greatest film. Uh, yeah, it's up there. I like. I I need to watch it. I want to watch it. Um, it's just every time I go to sit down because it's on Netflix, I believe. Uh, I do believe. Pretty sure it's in my queue. Every time I go down to sit down to watch it, it's like, ah, ah, let me watch something else right now. I'll get to that kind of epic uh, sadness later on. Uh, I don't know if I want to deal with the emotional roller coaster at this moment, um, and so I never just go for it. Hey, Nazis are in. Uh, it's <laughs> you might be time to go take a look. Yeah, yeah. No, it is a it's a great movie. It is depressing. Yeah, it's not one that like it's like yay, I'm gonna go watch Schindler's List, but definitely a movie I think you would love, and it's a great movie. My number two is again a cheat. It's a the classic western genre, like a lot of the the classic westerns that I haven't seen. Like I haven't seen many John Wayne movies at all. I. I I did catch up on, like, you recommend Rio Bravo, and I watched one of, like, his original ones, but there's plenty of his that I haven't seen, but really what I'm talking about here is Clint Eastwood and the Man With No Name trilogy, or the the Dollars trilogy, with Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Fistful of Dollars, for a few dollars more, that are, these, all these movies are, you know, listed as people's, some of people's favorite movies of all time. I like westerns, especially more modern westerns. Uh, I've grown to really enjoy it as a genre, and I should probably catch up on these classics. Yes. um, I think after seeing uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, that was so good. good. It it was incredible. And who recommended that? Was that Edgar? I believe it was Edgar. It was a great recommendation. It it was a very uh, eye-opening experience. I, I think we discussed... What are some of the genres we don't like? And initially for me, one of the biggest genres I despised was Westerns, mm-hmm. um, especially Clint Eastwood. I just didn't like his films. Uh, but Once Upon a Time in the West has just blown me away uh, to the point that, yeah, that Westerns as a entire genre is a blind spot for me that I would like to, to try to fill. Yeah, and I but even I, I, I do think there are you get you need to pick and choose. Yeah. I definitely think oh, yeah. there are incredible pieces of uh, of film and then some pretty lame ones. Yeah, it was an overabundance for a while there, so I'm sure there's mostly mediocre direct with uh, some standouts. But I even caught up with Unforgiven uh, a year or two ago with when Joel was here and uh, greatly enjoyed that as well. So gotta gotta keep catching up. So my number one is a film you've already seen. Uh, I think you liked it to a point, but it is the epic movie. Uh, it's the epic of all epics. Um, Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. 
I really, really want to see this movie. Is it? It's about four hours, isn't it? It's um, real long, yeah. I mean, but it's Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness, uh, two fantastic actors. The director going of at uh, it. Bridge of the uh, River Kwai. Yes, uh, David Lean. Yep. Uh, just it's it's Lawrence of Arabia. It's the biggest movie of all time in a way, you know. Like, oh yeah, I I need to see it. I need to. Uh, you do need to. It is. I'll say this: it's basically split into two two hour movies. Like the first half is incredible. Like the best, maybe some of the best two hours of film I've ever seen in my life. It's completely epic. It's like more epic than the epic movies of today. Like it's so ahead of its time. It's inc- gorgeous. It's jaw dropping. It's amazing. The second half, to me, was just really good. So when you put that together, really, really great movie. But that first half is just incredible, and it's yeah. still really good after that. But it, it dropped off for me. I kind of wish it was reversed, so like it could end on that note of awesomeness but yeah you have to watch i think you would like it quite a bit all right here's my utmost cheat of all cheats uh basically have uh classics as my number one because i couldn't find (laughs) yeah i know it's just like a grouping of this is you have just like <laughs> gone off the finagled rest. your way out of this list. <laughs> Six or seven movies. Like I always feel like you don't want to admit to anything that you haven't seen. No, I'm I'm going to name names. Just so uh, Western movies, classic movies. I'm naming names. I mean, like there wasn't the one like Casablanca. Like that's such Lawrence of Arabia. That's such a shining beacon of yeah. Obvious. This is a blind spot. Like there are movies on here that I feel like I'm. I want to make my. I've. It's my mission to eventually watch these, but I just none of them stand out as like, oh my god! So it's like saying my top five blind spots are my blind spots. <laughs> I oh, know, awesome. <laughs> all right, uh, all about Eve. Okay, the Seventh Seal. See, Seventh Seal. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you can respect it, but I don't. I don't know if you're going to enjoy it. You might. Um, all about Eve is slightly better, uh, even though it's c- kind of a very different film. Um, if you're into existentialism, uh, in a way, then watch it. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know it. Some like it hot. Sorry, I'm just going on. Persona, Persona All the President's Men, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, uh, that Marlon Brando movie. Streetcar Named Desire, like, Last Tango, like, I don't know. This, these movies that I need to see, they probably, it's probably should just been honorable mentions, right? If I couldn't come up with something specific, but I don't know. I just, I was kicking myself. I could not think of, you know, specifics. Like, none of those movies as an individual, I feel like, could be a number one. But... At the same time, they are big blind spots for me. I don't know. This was a tough list for me, so I had to cheat. All right. All right. <laughs> very, very... Uh, very anticlimactic. Yes. Any honorable mentions? No, I did not uh, pick any honorable okay, mentions. Okay, I had one. Just all films. How about that? <laughs> I'll be like, yes, you. yes, exactly. Uh, 
That's hilarious. Uh, my number honorable mention, number honorable mention is uh, I want to keep catching up with Alfred Hitchcock. I've seen about seven or eight of his movies now. Big fan of the guy, but I just want to keep going. Like there's movies like F for Fake, or I can't think of any other ones. Like the one that's supposed to be like all in one shot. Um, I. But I should have wrote them down. Uh, yeah. But just I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean Hitchcock. I've seen a decent amount of films. Fantastic director. So yeah. Nowadays he is recognized as as what he is a, a genius. Uh, but back then, not at all. Um, is yeah. That's why Michael Bay is going to be known as a. Michael yeah, <laughs> I mean, many people have, have referred to Michael or uh, Hitchcock. At, at the time, he was like the Michael Bay of of back then. I gotta um, feel like there's a better comparison. I mean, that's. I mean, I've heard many people say that, and I. I mean, from that what feels I've read, lazy. That feels lazy. There's got to be a better comparison. He, he was just kind of a blockbusterish, but a, a bad. He wasn't even like Spielberg is seen as a great blockbuster director, uh, where Michael Bay is a crappy blockbuster director, and Hitchcock at the time seemed to be kind of a, a bad. Uh, yeah, but uh, Bay is so special effects driven, and I know that didn't exist well, back then. But these aren't like spectacles that Hitchcock's doing. So I feel like there's got to be like a comparison. Like M Night Shyamalan is like the Hitchcock of the time. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. But either way, I mean, he's now being realized as he should be. Yeah, someone who created. Uh, Fantastic art. It needs to be appreciated. I'll go out on um, a limb and say he was a great director. I, yeah, I, he was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> out on a limb? What are you talking about? I'll put myself out there. I'll, it's a hot take, but sarcasm alert. So, well, as we move into what else we watched, I would like to kick this segment off because I did fill a blind spot this week. And that is the original... The Day the Earth Stood Still. All right. Have you seen it? I have not, no. And this is the one I was talking about earlier where this movie is definitely ahead of its time. 1951, I believe. Uh, There's not anything that I can pick out as to why I didn't absolutely love it. Like, it's really well done. It's really good. uh, Well acted. Special effects. I mean, for the time, pretty good. But... I it, I just didn't connect with it, much like you didn't connect with 400 Blows. It didn't pull me in and enrapture me. It just couldn't pass, overtake the classic Keanu Reeves remake. No, that movie was terrible. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's really good, I would say, for people. I can see why a lot of people consider it one of the best sci-fi movies of all time. For me, I wouldn't put it there, but it's definitely, I can see why it's considered a classic. And uh, glad I watched it. I'll give it a seven and a half out of ten. Can you? Is it? Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. Is it the movie where aliens come uh, to Earth and? Uh, it's one one alien, I believe. Oh, one alien. Okay. Uh, and, you believe? I mean, you, you saw the movie. I, <laughs> I know. I'm get, getting a few confused. Like what happened in Keanu? I think like Keanu Reeves is the guy. Like it, just this alien ship comes, and he just this like you know r- robot looking alien comes out and then just like parks himself in one spot and yeah that's it mm, kind of like the silver surfer okay yeah 
right. <laughs> I, that's kind of, that could probably be the inspiration for the Silver Surfer. But yeah, well, what do I you can understand watching? that. Like I said, with mine, yeah, if you just don't connect to it, you can appreciate it. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace to appreciate it to its full extent. I don't know. But yeah. is what it is. What have you been watching? Uh, so I, I've only watched two things. Uh, the one you've watched as well, Atypical. Yes, uh, I yes. had mentioned it on the last podcast. I'd watched two episodes or so. Had really, really enjoyed it uh, to that point, and I watched the rest. Uh, had you have you watched uh, all of the episodes yet, or I was only able to watch six out of the eight episodes. Uh, how did you like it? I know Sam loves it. I don't love it. I do like the show quite a bit. Um... Actually, as I was coming down to record this podcast, I made sure to tell Samantha that she's not allowed to watch the last two episodes without me. So I at least liked oh. <laughs> enough for that. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really good show. I think, let's see. All right, so it's in case people didn't listen to the last episode, it's a Netflix show about an autistic kid who decides it's time for him to start dating. And uh, basically his pursuit of girls and also just you know how the people around him deal with him and his condition like his sister and his parents and there's all kinds of drama in all directions is that fair assessment yep um, that is fair it is funny show it is definitely a funny show and it's like you said some of it is should i be laughing at this funny and then some of it's just genuinely funny but I think it's earned. It's a very earnest show. It's um, – the thing that holds me back from saying it's like a great show is that it feels very safe or very sitcom in a way, right? Yes, uh, especially with the uh, the sister. Yes. The sister is the weakest part for me. Um, in certain scenes, I just don't like her acting. Um, in certain scenes, I just don't like her character. And then in certain scenes, I just don't like her storyline. Um, I agree. She's just the weakest part. Uh, I'm really surprised. I actually really like the mom. I like how, uh, what, what's going on with her. Really? Um, hmm. I do. Yeah. Uh, whether, I mean, I'm not saying I like that, what, what she's doing. Right. Right. Um, but I, I, I like her storyline. Uh, I like the things in the show that are going on with her. Yeah, it's pretty good. It, maybe it gets even better at the end, but I like Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Um, as far as like the humor goes, and it is funny. Like a lot of it is based off of the Drax the Destroyer type comedy, right? Where it's everything's taken literally, and it felt like it was trying too hard with that sometimes. And uh, but for the most part, it's really funny. The friend, like you said. Uh, he grows on you, doesn't he? He does. He absolutely does. Uh, he's pretty good. I I really like um, the father. Yes, played yeah. by Michael Rappaport. I really I didn't know. I thought his character was going to be more of a goofball, just based off the actor playing him. But yes, he does a really good job. Of, he does surprise uh, you. Yeah, with the dramatic stuff too. I just feel like the show could have been more, and it's fine. Like it's not going for something you know super dark or gritty. But I feel like there are places that it could have gone to, like, I don't know. I just feel like it could have gone farther delving into 
the idea of of everything. I I, I see what you're saying. Uh, it does play a little safe. Uh, yeah, and that's fine because I mean I enjoyed the show. I would recommend it. Not every show has to go there, you know. I mean, it's just I don't know. It just seemed like there was some potential left on the table, but I'm sure it's going to get a season two. Seems oh like yes, most Netflix shows do, and I've heard some good things about it. So. I'm excited for a season two. I, I hope they can uh, continue to improve it. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I you liked finish. it. I, I have to finish I, the season, but I thought I thought it was uh, a show that you and Sam would like. Yeah, for so. sure, good show for us to watch together. Ultimately, how much did you like it when all was said and done? Would you? What would you give it out of ten? I mean, I guess an eight. I don't know. Okay. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, like I said. It brought out a lot of emotions that uh, usually shows don't do. Uh, I, I thought it was very humorous, um, extremely humorous at times. Uh, I thought it was pretty sad and melancholy at other times. Mm-hmm. I, I, I truly felt that emotion. Uh, other times I just felt happy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, other times I felt concerned or kind of uh, um, just kind of pushed back a little bit uh, and – Worried, maybe. Worried's not the best adjective. Uh, but I, I just felt many different things. Instead of, uh, I, I think we talked about it uh, last podcast or the podcast before, about blending multiple genres together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and how a lot of times films cannot do it correctly. Uh, and obviously this is not a film, but... As a TV show, it's, I think, almost even harder to because you're blending multiple genres together in such a short, you know, 30-minute segment. And I think this show does it very, very well. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the relationship between uh, Michael Rappaport and the main character, father-son relationship, that worked for me. Uh, Especially, like, you know, the moments where Oh, what about the igloo part where uh, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I, like the mom's like, you don't even care, and he's like, well, I spent thirteen hours building an igloo that he won't even get into, and because all I was, did, yeah. I did that just so he would even look at me. Yeah, uh, like that was that was pretty powerful, actually. And then, uh, well, oh, I can't tell you what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't spoil it, but uh, <laughs> well, I thought you don't care about spoilers. I don't, but. <laughs> Something I mean, big happens with the new globe. Okay, I'm going. I'm going to watch it probably tomorrow night. So, um, yeah, that that really worked well for me. And the scene, like with the mom standing up for him at the, like the the dance meeting, or some kind of yes, like, yeah, that was good too. So, yeah, I think I'd be around the eight level with you as far as the rating goes, as long as it continues to be as good as it is in the last two episodes. I think it. Um... I'm not going to say it peaks because I think it peaked uh, around episode three, two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely it, – it's another rise in the mountain. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like the fact that it's only eight episodes. That's – you know, I, I like shorter seasons. I think sense. ten episodes would have been perfect. Really? Yeah. Yes. I like yeah. ten too, but I just like shows that they don't – Say, okay, we need to get enough content for 13 episodes, like the Marvel Netflix shows. Like, I like those shows, but it seems like every time it's like six to eight episodes worth of content stretched over 13 episodes. So I like when shows, they know what they want to do, and they do it. It doesn't matter how long each episode is. That could vary, or how how many episodes it is. You know, and that's... 
that's actually a, a point I should have made as one of our last points. Uh, is I, I do think the idea that Netflix, they can make shows how they should be made. We, they don't have to worry about that uh, episode order, yeah. the episode amount, or even the episode time, which is a very, very yeah. uh, major component. Because in in normal television writing, the writers have to create little tiny cliffhangers and build the show around advertisements, mm-hmm. um, knowing that okay, we're going to have a commercial break in in seven minutes into the show. So the way that we create it is we have to create a kind of a, a uh, you know rising action by the time the commercial comes. Mm-hmm. Well. Maybe it didn't fit there. Maybe you couldn't have a rising action by seven minutes. Yeah, it feels so um, contrived. Exactly. Especially. Whereas with these, these streaming uh, shows, uh, they don't need to do that. Yep. Some episodes are 28 minutes. Some episodes are 37 minutes. It doesn't matter. Though. Yeah, I love that. Um, and it's really hard when you go from watching a bunch of HBO, Netflix, Amazon shows, and then you watch – the show from Fox, and it's like the it's quality really, is just, just so drastically yeah. different, and it's really noticeable. Yeah, that's I mean, a good point. There are some exceptions. I mean, if you look at Breaking Bad, yeah, oh yeah, uh, for sure. But for the most part, I feel that uh, Netflix shows and and uh, Amazon Prime shows and so forth they have the upper edge. Yeah, I agree completely. All right. Um, I also, after our podcast last week, all the talk about Dunkirk, and I've been meaning to see it, and you said, oh, you got to see it, it's so good, you got to see it in theaters and IMAX to do it justice, I figured, you know what, I'm going to bite this bullet, I'm going to go check it out. So I went and saw it in IMAX, uh, actually Saturday night, the day after our podcast, and um, I don't know, man. I don't I'm know. Correct, completely correct. Don't try to downplay it. You know <laughs> yeah. <I'm> <laughs> yeah. There's you, no, like, you can't. <laughs> I tried to fake you out, yeah. I loved it so much. It's so damn good. Um, it's my favorite movie of the year so far. Uh, yes. And I've seen quite a few good ones, so, yeah. Well, it's, the thing is, and over time, it hasn't lost anything. Uh, no, the it initial, has not. The initial one day afterwards, I realized some things. Uh, I don't know if you if you uh, think the same way as I do about the scope, the amount of soldiers there, it didn't feel like 400,000. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but like those kind of things. But in the um, moment, I wasn't thinking about it so much. Okay. For me, I did. Cause when I heard that number, I was like, no, there's not 400,000. Yeah. It, yeah. When I heard the number, it wasn't until he said that number that I was like, wait, yeah, really? I would, no, I would have thought, okay, man, there's 50,000 soldiers there. That's a heck of a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get across. Um, so yeah. maybe they shouldn't have even mentioned it. Definitely not a perfect movie. Plenty of nitpicks. I think Christopher Nolan is actually a guy who, you could do this to all his movies. His movies are very nitpickable because I don't think he's necessarily worried about the details as much as what you feel when you're watching it. Like, it's more about the experience. He's so good at making everything work for you in the moment that you don't even think about it or worry about these things for the most part. Yes, and it's kind of weird because I kind of see him as kind of like a Stanley Kubrick 
But you are right. They have such different approaches. Stanley Kubrick is so detail-oriented. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. It's insane that every single object in every single frame of every single shot is meticulously put there on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christopher Nolan has kind of the same effect with a more lackadaisical approach to it, yet it's still so incredible yeah. what he does. Yeah, and um, there are people out there that don't like Nolan films. I get probably, it's insane. I don't know. I could not. Probably because they are – get. You know, nitpicky, and and I can get that. Like, but people can point out all these nitpicks and problems. At the end of the day, I don't care because when I watch the movie, that's not bothering me. <laughs> but if it's bothering them, I can understand. Yeah. But uh, this movie is so freaking intense. Like, I was at the edge of my seat the whole time. Like, it's a, like you said, it's like a roller coaster ride, and it has its ups and downs in momentum. But for the most part, it's like constantly. Like getting more intense as it goes along. The sound design is incredible. It's yeah. If it doesn't win the Oscars for like best sound, I'll be not pissed because I don't really care that much, but surprised. Um, Extremely. The score is really effective. I don't know if it would like if you just listen to the soundtrack. I don't think it would be like that compelling. But so the, the if I remember correctly, pretty much the score is played. As one entire long clip throughout the entire film, it's, it's fair, almost an entire movie long. Uh, it's uh, certainly score. felt that way. Yeah, it's pretty it's, relentless. It's insane. It's not. I don't think it's ever been done before like that. It's pretty relentless, um, and yeah, the sound of those planes as they screech by. Oh my gosh! And if you were not in IMAX, I don't feel you would have gotten that. It g- uh, cuts through you. It's yeah. It it does. It is. Some of the most terrifying, terrifying sounds yeah. you will hear, and you, I felt the panic as a plane. You heard the plane in the sky, and the soldiers on the beach knew what was happening. Just thousands and thousands of soldiers piled together, knowing that someone's going to die right now. Yep. Oh and my god. Going to be and the terror of you see the planes go by, and then you know the bombs are next. Like you're just waiting for the impact and see what happens. And and God, the the. The stuff with the airplanes isn't. I wish the whole movie was just the airplanes. Like, isn't it incredible? <laughs> it, didn't I tell you? Tom Hardy is. I mean, what all he has to do is just. There's a camera on his face with the mask on, but he's somehow he's incredible even through it all. It's kind of like Locke was like a practice run for this. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I even like the kid, like the stuff with the the kid, like in his journey. To survive it, or or not, I don't know, and um, and uh, yeah, like the guy on the boat, even from uh, I can't remember the actor's name for some reason, but the guy from uh, the Spielberg movie a couple of years ago, um, he was really everything. It was all great. I I have a some nitpicks with how he chose to cut it together. Like I know it's like out of time and. Stuff yeah, ha- and I, I have to say that would be one of my biggest nitpicks. I wish it was a little more. I don't more... even think it's a nitpick. I think it is a legitimate yeah. argument. Um, yes, the way they edited it uh, going back and forth between time, it can be done correctly. It's been done correctly multiple times, obviously. In this film, it didn't work perfectly. I agree. Um, I love... And obviously, they wanted to show the same kind of uh, event happening from multiple viewpoints. Uh 
but they would kind of wait to show that viewpoint later on, which is fine. And I saw what they were going for, but at the same time, it didn't fully yeah. work. Yeah, it was a little disorienting at times. Like there were times when I was like, "Oh wait, that was him earlier than when blah blah." Like that was cool to have those revelations, and I love the idea of these three distinct things all coming together to coalesce. And but yeah, I kind of wish it was a little more linear. Um, Slightly more, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, or at least maybe on rewatch, something I'll be able to, you know, you'll be able to pick up more things, like I don't know. But that's a minor gripe overall. Just cause I, I love this movie so much. Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to give all right nine out of ten. I'd give it a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten, yeah. I, I think that's what I gave it. Um, yeah, it's so good. I think it should be nominated for best picture. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, this a rare summer movie that should be eligible for a lot of awards as well. Christopher Nolan did it again. <laughs> yeah, once more. Moving on to your other movie. Yes, my other movie is another big hit of the year. Uh, I had heard a lot about it. I know I wanted to see it. Uh, Can I guess first? What's that? I don't know what it is. Can I guess what you're talking about? Yes. Baby Driver. It is not. I still need to see that. Okay. It is Get Out. Oh, great. Yes. Yes, the horror film based upon racial tensions between a white family who is kind of uh, doing stuff to black folk uh, in order to uh, kind of live longer in a way. Invasion Um, of the Body Snatchers type of deal. Yes. Uh, And this film has gotten a lot of praise. Uh, I think partially due to the fact that Jordan Peele is the director and writer. Uh, he's typically a comic uh, uh, talent. Yeah. And yet he is creating, not only directing, but writing uh, Pretty serious this horror film. film. Yeah. Horror yes. Um, and he hits the mark very, very well. It's so good, yeah. It's really good. And it, it borders on the line of being really bad but it doesn't cross that line it if if a certain couple decisions were made i feel like this film would have flopped big time um i kind of know what you be- mean yeah just because of the idea of the film uh some of the moments that possibly like the friend could have ruined uh, yeah, yeah. And yet, I, it, he doesn't. The friend doesn't ruin. He's uh, great. <laughs> yeah, it's like if he was one degree more annoying, or yeah, yes. I, I know what you mean. And even some of like the horror stuff that could have came off really campy and corny, but it doesn't somehow. Exactly, but it, yeah, like you said, if it was just a one degree more, it would have ruined it. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. It wouldn't have just made it go from, in my opinion, an eight and a half. Uh, I gave it an eight and a half as well. Yeah, it just uh, – it was really, really good. Um, I At no point was I scared. Uh, I don't feel like – No, yeah. Most of us don't do that anymore. Yeah, not uh, since I, I was a kid. To. I'm excited for that. But no, we'll today's horror films don't really scare. Um, yeah, I agree. And I don't think it was the intention of this film uh, to really scare you. It was more uh, – it was just a very entertaining film. I think that's the whole purpose was just – solely to entertain in a holistic way. Um, there was a decent amount of comedy that was great. Uh, you definitely laugh at a lot of it. Uh, there was a lot of suspense and kind of 
I, I do think, and I know you uh, don't care about spoilers, but I, I'd already known kind of what was going to happen. Um, and, and I wonder if I hadn't already known what was going to happen, is it still pretty obvious what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I already knew I, too, so. What's that? I already knew too, so I can't answer the question. But I kind of think so. And I don't think that ruins the film. And I, I can't say it fully because, like I said, I already knew. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like you're going to be able to figure it out pretty quickly. Maybe yeah. not the full extent that you know they're swapping out brains or uh, what have you. Yeah, but like you but said, you, it doesn't really matter. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't matter that you already know kind of what's going to happen, that everything's kind of telegraphed. Uh, I also really, really, really enjoyed the parts of the hypnotism uh, and the way she did it with her 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 tea. Yeah, uh, um, it's kind of like with uh, Ozark and uh, get the lemonade kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, get the tea. Um, I I really enjoyed that and how kind of they went to their you know I don't know what it was called the lower place or. Um, you know when the when they would mm-hmm. kind of fall down inside the their own ego, mm-hmm. or, uh, it or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was just it was great. It was great. Allison Williams is a great villain. Yes, yes, so. very. Uh, I mean, everyone in this film did a, a great job, Except... which was surprising because certain characters. Uh, uh, the blind guy was played by or the the guy who was blind. Uh, was played by another comedy actor, and I can't think of his name right now. Um, he is the type of person who plays these roles that are so eccentric that they usually ruin films for me. Uh, and yet he did a really good job in this. I mean, he was definitely a little bit eccentric, but not that much. The only character I didn't think was uh, good was the brother. thought he was a little over the top. Yes, I but... would have. Absolutely agree with you there. Um, I do have to say the the set pieces of the house were beautiful. Uh, I loved the way the house looked in the in, the inside. Yeah, yeah, it's a very timely movie, especially the holding room uh, where he had to watch the TV. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a really good movie. It's been a really good year for movies. I, I, there hasn't, other than Dunkirk, there really hasn't been any that are like. Wow, this has the potential to be one of the, my favorite movies of all time. But I feel like there's been a lot of movies spread throughout the year when usually it's all the last four, three or four months where all the great movies are. I would agree with you there. Yep. Thank you. Uh, my last movie, my last thing I watched was for you. It was only for you. You told me about it many, many times that uh, I should watch it. So I figured I would. You got a guess? No, I don't. Call me blank, because I'm on a roll. It's Butter. Oh. <laughs> I, did I tell you to watch that? I, <laughs> well, I feel like you talked about how much you like it, at least. It, I, yeah, I, I do like it. it it's uh, it's one of those movies you're either going to get or you don't. I it's definitely got it. Um, I will say, we'll set it up real quick. It's basically like a... A political satire about a family who they carve uh, things out of butter. Like I, I think the concept is hilarious in and of itself. Like the yeah. setup, the first five or ten minutes, I was laughing a lot. Just 
at the insanity of it all. Yes, but the movie doesn't take itself seriously. It realizes. No, no, yeah, of course. And I think that's that's the whole point is that you can't go in with a a like a mindset that this is a straight movie. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't. I knew it was a comedy. Uh, and it's funny at times. I feel like it would have either been better as like a a short film or or like a um, best in show style mockumentary. But yes, and that's kind of. I mean, I I don't think it should have gone that way uh, because I liked it uh, exactly how it was. But it is kind of like a mockumentary in a way. It's not, but it's kind of like that, like best in show. Yeah, and I like Ty Burrell. Uh, it's such. It's a little obvious. A little. You know, beating a dead horse with the allegories. Like, Ty Burrell is Bill Clinton. Jennifer Garner is Hillary Clinton. The little girl is Obama. The stripper is Monica Lewinsky. Like, that was a little much, but I don't know. It was, I just felt like it wore off. Like, I I was actually, I thought it was hilarious, like, the first five or ten minutes. But then it kind of... Once it gets into like the vindictive hooker, and it just kind of wore out its welcome for me. But now, do you enjoy like Waiting for Guffman and I The Mighty seen, Wind? And I haven't all, seen or... Mighty Wind or Waiting for Guffman. Do you, do you like Christopher Guest? I Best in Show is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, I didn't like Mascots, and I didn't like For Your Consideration. So okay. hit or miss, at least. But I do want a, a blind spot alert. Uh, catch up on waiting for Guffman in a mighty wind. Yeah, I see. I I think you might have the same kind of reaction where really? it's, you might like it at first, and then you go, ah, okay, I'm tired of it. It's getting too much now. But it's um, kind of like White Hot American Summer too, right? Christopher Guest you can see the inspiration there. Yeah, um, I would give Butter just a six or six and a half out of ten. It's not a bad movie at all, but. Yeah, I don't know. It just I didn't like it as much as you. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would give it a seven and a half. I didn't like love it, love it. Okay, <laughs> but I did enjoy it. It's those are the kind of comedies I like. I like that kind of offbeat, uh, kind of weird comedies. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I would if it was like a half an hour episode of television. I I think it would have been great, but stretched over an hour and forty five minutes, not as much. Uh, I so. guess the only other thing I wanted to say for what else we read, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm com- right. completely caught up on the Walking Dead comic book series. In the last two weeks, I've read 170 issues of The Walking Dead, and I am now up to date. And it is an amazing comic book series. Much better than the show. But I'm interested now that it's it's a weird case where I, I binge the show. We binge the show earlier this year, all seven seasons. And now I'm binging the comic and now I'm going to go back to the show. I'm, I feel like I like the first four seasons of the show. And by the finale of this last season, I was like not even not caring for it so much the last three seasons. But now I feel like I'm going to have a renewed interest just to see, like, how they translate the material, what they do different, what they do the same. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say, but it's kind of a a weird thought experiment. 
of adaptation hmm. for me. Yeah, it's uh, I've sometimes done that with movies where I'll, I'll I'll watch the movie whether I liked it or not. I'll then go read the book. And then based upon that, I will then go back to the movie to rewatch it sometimes. Yeah, I really, um, I really wish I would have read the comics first, because now a part of me wants to rewatch the show just because like, I. But uh, then there's no way. There's yeah, that's way too much, and way not good enough quality to do that. So yeah. it's unfortunate, but. Yeah, I thought it was worth noting. All right, ready for our final points? Oh, I, I can't do what else we read. All right. All oh, right. oh, sorry. Did you have anything? Actually, yes. All right, uh, good, good. After about five weeks of waiting, I finally got the second book of the King uh, King Killer Chronicles. I mentioned it, I think, two podcasts ago or so. Yeah. Patrick Rothfuss, uh, he is the author. His first book was The Name of the Wind. It was day one of uh, the story that Kavoth is telling a uh, chronicler, uh, a guy who kind of writes down the stories of epic warriors. Uh, and he, and he's, basically, Kavoth is telling his, his life story to this chronicler. Um, and it's a three-part series, day one, day two, day three. I'm on day two now. Day three, it hasn't been out. Uh, it hasn't been released, and it probably won't be released for another two years or so based upon his uh, publishing you know, spans. Yeah. yeah. Um, incredible series, especially for a author who kind of has just started. Uh, he's in his late forties to early fifties, I think. Uh, but he finally got his first book published. Incredible. His second one so far has been amazing. Uh, I think this guy is just, he's an incredible author that I'm very sad that he started so late. Uh, so what is it? A fantasy book? It is. It is a um, a fantasy book where Kavoth is this – he was an extremely intelligent kid who goes to a place called the university. And the, the university is a place where uh, you are taught how to use magic. Uh, and most people in the world, they believe in magic but not really. It's not like a real thing but it kind of is. Like a superstition um, more? Yes, yeah. And Kavoth is taught really real magic. Yet it's also still not real magic. It's uh, it's hard to explain, um, but the world building in this book matches, I feel, any of the greatest works, such as, uh, you know, Sword of True series, uh, probably even better than the Sword of True series. Um, the Wheel of Time series is one that is compared to a lot. I don't get why people like the Wheel of Time series, but, I mean, if you like a uh, 17-book series that <laughs> is boring, sure, go for it. Um, the magic is so great, uh, and yet there's so much more to uncover in this in this story. I just can't wait to, to finish this book and read the next one when it comes out. It's a great world-building um, and very, very intricate uh, detail of characters sounds like something i'd really like yes uh especially within the first like four chapters there's this point where you, you get a a taste of what kavuth can do and it just blows your mind and it's like the simplest thing that he can he can do this real small little trick but it's amazing um i love it yeah, and what so it's like this framing device is this interview, and then it's kind of like told through flashback his story. 
Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. Okay. Um, and every once in a while, it'll go to the present. Uh, and it, it's just like, so you're initially shown this guy who's just like, you hear stories of like everyone talks about him and they don't know what he looks like and the world's a big place. And so you might have heard of Kavoth, but you don't, you've never seen him. Uh, and so he is pretending to be a bartender now because he's kind of in hiding. Uh, and, you know, people in the bar are talking about this major, like epic warrior. Uh, and so you already kind of know that this guy is amazing. And then he starts off as a young boy telling or telling his story when he was a young boy. Uh, and you get to see how he's becoming this epic warrior um, through his his telling uh, to the Chronicle. Yeah, Chronicler. that sounds really good. You either got to let me know when the third one comes out so I can read them all three in a row. Or maybe I'll check out like the audiobook or something like that. I'll definitely let you know. It's uh, yeah. hopefully it comes out soon, but they are about uh, this one right here is about a thousand pages, so okay. they're, they're decent sized books. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, like I said before, don't really have the time to sit down with books like I would love to anymore. But at least with the you know audiobooks are available, and you know if something's good enough, I can of course. Put other things to the side to make time for it. So, uh, all right, let's move on to our final points. What do you got? So mine is kind of a very uh, superficial type of point. It's my favorite uh, kind. My question to you is, uh, and I know you're not the biggest Star Wars fan, oh, uh, but what? which character would you like to see a solo movie of in the Star Wars universe? Well, did you see what they, they just announced? What's that? Obi-Wan is the next one? Uh, are you sure? Yes. Because I had saw some articles, and that's kind of what, like, I, I, I saw it. some news about them. I thought they said they weren't making it. Yeah, it's pretty official. Uh, it's all this Are one. they having, uh, uh, why, why am I having a You and McGregor? Yeah, are they having I'm not play? sure. I'm not sure yet. They have to. Everyone loves it. Like, <laughs> come on. Don't be stupid, Disney. That's, this is, I'm glad you brought this up, because... This was my backup point, was the announcement of the Obi-Wan movie. Because, of course, you know, Han Solo movie comes out next year. Then Obi-Wan the year after that. They were going to do the Boba Fett movie, and they still might. Oh, they are. They it, are. It's just I, so disappointing to me. Like, I will see these movies, and I will probably enjoy these movies, but I was so excited when they said, okay, every other year we'll alternate Skywalker trilogy movies or series of movies and standalones where we can build this world and expand. But every, every single thing they're doing is going back in the past with these legacy characters. Like I want to see the world building of these, of this universe. Yes. Uh, and that's kind of where my viewpoint is going. Yes. I want to see, uh, see a new film. Of course I do. I want to see a Boba Fett very badly. Uh, a Boba Fett film. I really, really, really want to see a Yoda film uh, oh, solely about on. him back four or five hundred years ago uh, when he was in his prime. Like I want to, I want to see that one hundred percent. But what I think I want to see more than anything uh, in the Star Wars kind of lore, there's the Old Republic, uh, yes, and that's yeah, a very be awesome. famous era. I want to see stuff that deals with the old Republic, mm -hmm, uh, whether mm -hmm. it's Revan or Malik or, or uh, Darth Nihilus or whatever. Like the video uh, game. 
Yeah, like the video games, exactly. Or other Sith Lords, such as Darth Bane. He is an incredible uh, character to write about. Uh, so I would have to imagine it would be incredible to see him in action. Um, there's so much in this universe. So many great writers have infused this universe with a lot of creative characters. I would like to see some of them. Uh, I mean, the legacy characters, of course, I want to see all of them. Of course I do. But hopefully they eventually go outside of them and um, pick some other extended universe characters. Yeah, I agree with you. And if I had to pick a character... Besides obvious Watto, everyone wants to see a Watto movie, but um, or Jar Jar Binks. Uh, I guess uh, I don't know. Jabba the Hutt would be kind of cool. Yes, and I think they could do that almost as like a noir film because he is basically a uh, you know a, a crime. I mean, he's a crime lord, but he's kind of like a gangster. Yeah, uh, the Godfather. Yes. Uh, the so job, the, the Jabba father, um, right. or Qui Gon Jinn, nah. Uh, Lando, but he's probably gonna be in the Han Solo movie. He one hundred percent will be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say Jabba uh, the Hutt would be my yeah. answer. All right, wait, who? Jabba. Jabba. Okay. Because you could yeah. also have Boba Fett in there. Like he hires these bounty hunters, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like disappointed they're not thinking bigger. I know it's easy money for them with these familiar characters, but also it could be great money for them to like, you know, create create some great new characters and worlds and. Um, yeah, I mean, there's this one race called the Mandalorians, who are this epic warrior class. That I mean, it would be incredible to see them. Um, like, it's, it's just, there's so much to work with. Yeah, or even like a Darth Vader movie. That would be pandering. <laughs> uh, it w- I mean, it would be amazing, though. Yeah, um, just from that one scene he had in Rogue One, I mean, he's a badass. Oh, it's the greatest scene of all time. <laughs> it's the only scene you saw the first time, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, my final point. Have you... Seen the news that uh, the the service movie pass? Have you heard of this before? I think we've discussed it before, where you can go uh, and see a movie like once every day. Yeah, uh, but you can't see the same movie twice. Right, and it was at the last time I was considering it because it's a service that sounds very intriguing to me. Uh, I think it was thirty dollars a month the last time. I was looking into it, and that was just a... I mean, it's a good deal if you have the freedom and the time to go to the movies. But for me to justify buying it, I'd have to go to the movies at least three times a month, and there was just no way that would happen. But it's something that I kept in the back of my mind that, you know, if if the price dropped or if I ever got more time on my hands that I would consider. But then the, the big news this week is that <laughs> they got bought out by new ownership... And it's ten dollars a month. No, it is nine ninety nine, which is cheaper than a single movie ticket, and it's legit. Like this is the, what they're doing. 
it's uh, basically they inf- were infused with a lot of money, I think, by like a research group or something. Basically, what they want their goal is to make it so affordable that a bunch of people sign up and they can use the data, you know, and and find out customers' habits and to put to sell that data to like advertisers and like that's how I think they plan on making money long term. Uh, what do you think of this? Like now, I am probably gonna, uh, I'm probably will probably buy it. Yeah, I mean, I'm signing up. I'm going to look into this because that almost seems unreal. I know, like I'm, but it's real. <laughs> that's the crazy part. And AMC, for whatever, for some reason, is not happy with it. Like AMC, which is counterintuitive to me because this is only going to bring more service for them to for people to buy popcorn and can. You know, conventions or not conventions. Uh, you know, like the the popcorn and the, the hot dogs and all that stuff, sodas. But I think what they're worried about is that, say, the service is ten dollars a month for a year and then goes out of business, then people are going to be shell shocked when they have to pay like fifteen dollars per ticket instead of ten dollars for a month. But it still, yeah. seems like something they should be all about and trying to make sure it doesn't go out of business. No, see, I, I mean, I can 100% understand their point of view. I mean, most, most theaters, at least around us, as we've discussed before, they've shrunken their amount of seats by drastic amounts, 30, 40, 50% of their seats now gone. No, but here's the thing. They're not losing any money off ticket sales because you're paying MoviePass ten dollars a month. They send you a pre a a card, a Mastercard in the mail, and you have to combine it with the app on your phone. Where here's the movie I'm going to see. You click it on your app. You swipe it with the card they sent you. The theater gets the full price of the card. MoviePass pays the full price for the tickets each time, but you are only paying MoviePass ten dollars a month. So the theaters aren't losing money. No. I think that wait, then why I'm not understanding yeah. why they're upset then. <laughs> exactly. Because if anything, they're gonna get more people coming to the theaters because I'm now gonna go to the theaters all the time. Like, and more chances where they really make their money is with the popcorn and soda and stuff. Yeah. But I, the argument they're saying is that this is not a business model that can last forever and you know, what if ticket prices go up to twenty dollars a ticket by then? When the service goes out of business, people are, are going to just stop going to the movies because it's too expensive. Well, you can do something about that at the time. I don't know. Seems like a short-sighted concern. Or actually, I don't know, long-sighted or whatever. But, yeah. I mean, that is a legitimate concern because they have worked their way up. They've been adding a quarter to the price are, every yeah, four yeah. or five months. We've already talked about how, you know... Uh, it's going down. Like the ticket sales, not t- yeah, ticket sales are going down. Like this is a this should be good for them. This could give them an infusion. But it yeah. seems like anywhere that accepts a Mastercard, they they can't stop you from using MoviePass at their theater chains. Yeah, so, I don't see how they could stop. Yeah. So, are you gonna purchase this service as soon as we're done here? You need a Mastercard. No, that's what they send you. Without oh, saying that okay. card that they send you to use. 
I am extremely tempted to, yeah. Yeah, but you might need a smartphone. I'm not sure. Hmm. So you could always use your dad's, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, all I would have to do is go to the movies once a month to... It would pay for itself. So I think I'm going to get it. And uh, I'll report back if I do. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible deal. Yeah, it does. And if anyone listening hadn't heard about it, now you have. You're welcome. But as for us, we're done for this episode of the Red Box Report. We'll be back next week with a review of Alien Covenant. Back to the recent stuff. What do you think? You you excited? Uh, not extremely, no. I'm going to watch Prometheus beforehand. You hadn't seen um, it? No. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. It's good. I think you'll like it. Yeah. So, we'll yeah. see. I, I like my Michael Fassbender a ton. So. Oh, and he's amazing in these movies. So, All right. You got that to look forward to. If you have any thoughts, questions, or concerns, please feel free to shoot us an email. The Red Box Report at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Red Box Report. I'm on Twitter at The Oreo Report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, wherever podcasts are found. We are most likely there. And as always, have a great day.
Jesus I 